we are activating your unique self-discovery one show at a time. The Orchard of Wisdom Self-Discovery Podcast are at your fingertips, just waiting to inspire and invite you in discovering just how awesome you really are and how to navigate through life in joy, enrichment, personal abundance, in mind, body, spirit, heart and soul. All the people we bring you are here to serve you on your journey of life. Do enjoy our next show. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Building Your Business right here on selfdiscoverymedia.com. I'm your host, Sarah Troy, and my guest today is Mary Lee Gannon. We're going to be talking about today how freedom is success and how success is freedom. Not more hours, not more slavery, not more um, working yourself to the bone, but how to have that freedom. And that freedom really is your success. She says she, it's relevant that for everyone who wants to be represented at work, advance in their career, prioritize their well-being without being so overworked that they don't connect with the people that matter. Uh, she went from welfare, food stamps, medical assistance, being homeless and without an automobile in a, uh, and quickly becoming a CEO of a $33 million organization. She says that her why is working harder is not the only necessary strategy to advance your career. At a certain level, everyone does that. Yet really hardworking and great people get passed over in their careers because they haven't even uh, positioned their value, positioned to create the measurable impact, or they sit back waiting for their merits to get noticed. So she helps the leader advance quickly and feel satisfied. Success is freedom, not more hours. And she also says that uh, as a stay-at-home mom of four children, while living uh, what looked on the outside to be the country club lifestyle, she was unpalatable in an unpalatable marriage. She filed for a divorce, a leap of faith, uh, not at all prepared for the avalanche that befell her, that generally happens. And within six months, she and her children were homeless, without an automobile, on welfare, food stamps, medical assistance, and she quickly reinvented her life as that CEO, or CEO organization that went up to 33 million to support her family. And she helps others get off that treadmill to nowhere, to be respected, to advance their careers, and to prioritize being in their own five-star leadership formula. Going when, you know, I divorced, yes, been there, done that. Um, it's shattering enough, you know, to for the nerves, for... Just, you know, all the dreams that get shattered because you always think, you know, you're going to go off into the twilight zone with each other and all that type of thing. And, you know, the great, great grandkids will come around for Sunday dinners and all of that. And mm -hmm. suddenly that is gone. And you've got a pile of kids to look after. And, you know, going from the country card lifestyle to, to food stamps, that is what I call a really big cosmic two by four. But sometimes that's the catalyst, isn't it? To kind of, you can either go down that route rabbit hole of despair and don't know what to do or it can be the fuel that makes you want to go okay you know I'm taking the driver's seat that's so true Sarah I mean that's the that's the transition right there that's mm. the why of choice we can go down one path of the why or the other path of the why and I think it's very difficult because when you're trying to make that transition in a divorce mm -hmm. you've already had a very big rejection right mm -hmm. so somebody has rejected you for any number of reasons and then it's human nature to sort of start blaming yourself for that well am I not 
whatever enough, yes. a good enough wife, smart enough, cute enough, mm. interesting enough, whatever enough. And now I have to go out there and create a life on my own, abandon all of the dreams as you described them. And it's gutting. Yes. However, we attach thoughts and stories and assumptions to that, like my dreams are broken. I'll never have my dreams, but we create new dreams. Mm -hmm. I encourage people to think of the dreams you had when you were a child. They weren't the same ones you had when you were in high school. You know, as a child, you wanted to fly. When you were in high school, you wanted to get into a good college. When you were out with your first job, you wanted to get a promotion. So the dreams change. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that the context of those dreams can't change too. It might be that some people can't have children. They adopt children. Yeah. Some people foster children. Some people find a dog that they love. You know, so I think the biggest thing that we have to learn is how to first honor the despair that you were describing so that we can release it. Because when we turn yeah. away from it, it just chases us down with all of the reminders mm -hmm. of how we're not good enough. Yeah, exactly. You know, the old adage, um, you know, when somebody gives you lemons, make lemonade, right? You know, and that's the thing is that, yes, go through, go through the, you know, the, the remorse, the release, you know, let go mm -hmm. of the dreams. You've got to go through that. You can't just put a Band-Aid over it and say, well, you know, that's that. Um, you've got to go through the emotions because, yes, you know, a huge big dream that not only that you dreamt that you were invested in has mm -hmm. suddenly gone, whether it is a divorce, whether it is a job you were in mm -hmm. that you mm -hmm. thought you were climbing, you know, that that investment into that and suddenly you're shattered, you know, it's it's but I thought I was on the right trajectory. I thought I was doing all the right things. And, you know, it's, you just got to look at it. It's the universe saying, you've got what you've got from it. And now it's a redirection to where you need to go. And if we could stop being so resistant, you know, um, get stuck in the, but why me? And instead go and go, okay, but what's next? Oh, that's beautiful. That's absolutely beautiful. <laughs> And we, we're all striving to be there. Yeah. And I think that you are a great role model for that because, and, and I really liked what you said about let's not put a Band-Aid over that mm. because our uh, more current culture would like to tell you, oh, just be positive. Yes. Which none of the research supports that taping on a Band-Aid of a new positive thought is going to be sustainable. As a matter of fact, it, the research shows that it just makes you feel worse when you can't sustain feeling better. Oh, what's wrong with me? I can't even do that. I can't even think differently. And everything you just said about we must honor the pain so that we can move through it. It's like putting a leaf down on a stream and allowing it to mm -hmm. flow by is opposed to jumping into the rapids and letting the rapids carry you down the stream. Yeah. No, I'm going to put this thought, assumption, whatever, and allow it to flow by. Because when we can sit with that discomfort, 30, 60, 90 seconds, we start to realize, oh, this is my imagination. This is just my ego trying to protect myself mm -hmm. because that's what we do as humans. That's why we're yes. not extinct as a species yep. because we're really good at playing it safe. Yes. Except safe doesn't get the promotion, doesn't get the job, doesn't get love. 
because we're too guarded. So we it doesn't create all the innovations that we have today. (laughs) Precisely, precisely. And it takes a lot of humility to be able to say, I'm sad and I'm probably angry. I'm covering over the sad with anger because I don't want to feel sad. So I'm going to get mad because that's easier. But underneath, I'm hurt. Mm. I'm hurt. And when we can do that, I mean, I spend a lot of time trying to be look make it look like I didn't hurt you know like you had four kids Mm -hmm. who were used to a certain lifestyle and now you're suddenly saying sorry kids it's porridge you know (laughs) (laughs) and it's you know and they they look at you and you feel guilty and have I done the right thing and (sighs) you know and and that's kind of the reason why I stayed with my husband is that my sister did that and it literally went to porridge you know cooped up in one little apartment room and um you know, and it's hard. You feel so guilty, right? But yeah. at the same time, if you didn't do it, not only would have you continued to die inside, but the whole atmosphere, because you know, in the end, it was my children that came and told me to divorce. Mm-hmm. Right? Because it's like it's enough, Mom. Enough. Right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we don't give them enough credit to actually invite them into the conversation of what they're seeing um, because they are very much a part of it. And so you've got to go through all of that emotional transition. And where the positivity, I think, comes into it is that the seeds that you plant, plant the positive seeds, the ones that are going to grow and be fruitful. You've got to nurture Mm -hmm. them. You've got to water them. But, you know, you're feeding the possibilities. That's what the positivity is. You're feeding the possibilities. Not the, oh, what if? But the, (laughs) what if? Right? Change the tone. What if I just did this? What if I just did that? You know what? It didn't work. Okay, mark that one. That one didn't work. Now let's try this one. But if we're not into that mindset of willing, people call it failure. I don't. I just call it a lesson learned. You know, mm-hmm. that that didn't work. Okay, so what else to try? And sometimes you don't know what else to try. Okay, just be present with self. Something will come up. <laughs> You're so right. I love what you were saying. That to make a mistake, I call it a, maybe not a mistake, a did take. I did take <clears throat> some action here. Okay, Mm. I moved something in my life and it's not serving me right now. Exactly. And that doesn't mean that I am married to that situation. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes what happens is we identify Mm -hmm. with the situation not working out. This is a situation. And then I have thoughts that I can either attach or not attach to that situation but when the kiss of death is when I attach my identity yes. to that situation, now I'm really on a downward spiral. Right. Many people have had difficult things happen to them in childhood, mm-hmm. in relationships, having to move, losing jobs, lots of things, lots of life transitions. And when we don't know how to draw that boundary between who I am here, myself whole, and this situation, we start demeaning ourselves by yeah. must be something wrong with me. Yeah. I am the situation and you are not the situation. You are not the divorce. You are not the reduction in force. You are not the layoff. You are not anything else that has happened to you as a child, as an adult or anything else. You are you and situations occur. We have choice 
in what we can think and how we feel. But let's honor how we feel. Let's not tell ourselves how we feel. Right. Let's create new thoughts that create new emotions, right? Mm-hmm. Let's let's honor this sadness and realize that I've been dragging along with me on a leash this feeling of not being good enough. Mm-hmm. And and I can let go of that leash because that's just a thought. And I yes. can create a new thought now that I've honored the the bad emotions, the negative emotions. I've honored those and now I can create new thoughts. And those new thoughts might be, well, you know, I never really liked that job anyway. So exactly. now is the time I can try. And you know what? This husband was, he wasn't really Prince Charming. So, mm-hmm. you know, and that's okay. And and I'm pretty good on my own. I'm doing okay. I'm not in need of this. I'm right. making a choice to find love. But I right. realize, and, and I know this in my own life, I was, I worked really well. And I rose to the C-suite very quickly, but I didn't find love quickly mm-hmm. until I was able to put down the guard and be vulnerable. And yes. that was by sitting with the disappointing emotions. Yeah. Yes. And you know, I'm constantly saying this, uh, if we want to attract love, we need to show people how to love us by loving ourselves. Oh, so well said. Right. We have to love who we are because that's the frequency. That's the vibration we're putting out. We Mm -hmm. want people to honor us in our in our space. But Mm -hmm. if in your space is insecure or feeling Mm -hmm. vulnerable or guarded, that's the kind of people you're going to attract when they're going either they're going to be the ones to to attack. Right. Or they're going to be the ones that just want to kind of fix you. Right. You want to have people that see you. Well, if you want them to see you, whether it's in love, whether it's in business, whether it's in your community, then you've got to be able to look at yourself eyeball to eyeball and do you see yourself? All your flawsomeness, all your flawsomeness, because we've all got flaws. Don't beat yourself up for those little idiosyncrasies of yourself. It's what makes your character up, right? But you've got to be representative of who you are from the inside out, not what somebody expects from you on the outside. I so can relate to what you're saying because I can remember thinking, oh, I'll just be well put together and I'm trying to find somebody, right? So Mm -hmm. I'm online dating and, and I'm talking to lots of people and I'm so well put together. I was attracting all of these men who wanted me to do everything. Right. Yeah. Yes. You know, you oh, she can do it. Do she everything. can do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I'm sort of like, no, I really don't want to do this like this, but I'm really good at it because I had to be. This is yes. how I supported my family. But like, can someone maybe like want to take care of me? Exactly. You know? And I think that's okay that <laughs> as a girl, you want somebody to maybe take you under their arm instead of you leading everything, making all the decisions, taking all of the, you know, all of the scuff that comes along. And I really had to stop doing my CEO role. Right. And go back to being Mary Lee. Yes. Really kind of innocent and artsy and just want to walk on the beach. I never wanted to be a CEO. No goals of being a CEO. I had, I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom and paint seashells. And, <laughs> and I had to get back to that person. I had lost her. Yes. I had lost her you lost her way. out of necessity to provide. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and this is what people do do. There's also this illusion that you've got to climb that ladder. 
Mm. You know, that you're mm. only important if the six figures, the title, <laughs> the this, the that. And it's like, I've interviewed so many people who think, you know, I got there and realized I didn't like the club. Right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> And it's like, but you know, everybody's out there living a facade, yeah. you know, living a place from ego, living from an illusion that actually nobody knows who the damn hell they are. It's so true, Sarah. I'm profoundly <laughs> grateful to have had mentors and angels along the way who have helped me be successful from a professional capacity. And I am profoundly grateful for that. I to this day and I'm grateful for that and I like I love my role I love what I do I love who I work with but I can't identify with this and I see yes. this a lot in my clients they get to the end of their career and then they don't know what to do because they don't have an identity in any other yes. way right they're always the leader yeah. or they were always you know whatever and now all of that power is gone now all of that authority is gone and there wasn't anything else developed along the way right. and the kids have left town and now you know you're looking at and the wife says don't play a well, game of golf <laughs> yeah and i know <laughs> i don't need you micromanaging my house it, it actually it's, it's actually interesting because you know i've interviewed a few veterans and you know one of them was a couple and um what I love about veterans, because I'm not pro-war, but it's what they do for each other when they come back. They see something they need and they create it for themselves. Mm -hmm. And this one is about how people, you know, when they're coming back from service, to let go of the the control factor, the dictation mm -hmm. factor, and realize they're coming back into the fold of a home where the wife or the spouse has been in charge being the commander mm -hmm. and they can't come into that space and start commanding right yeah. but they don't know how to let go of that leadership and the thing is is that if you don't have something outside of your work mm -hmm. um you know other type of projects that when you finally do get the gold watch even if they do that anymore and you've mm -hmm. retired if you can take all that wonderful expertise and go and put it into a wonderful foundation that needs direction right? Mm -hmm. Something mm -hmm. that you are now, I've made the money, I've made my mark. Now let me give back to society, right? And they can I, start doing that even before they retire. And the, I guarantee you the people that do that, they feel, I don't care if I'm a trillionaire, I get more worth, more self-worth from that than I have ever done from achieving that. It's so important. And I say this to my clients all the time, everyone needs a side hustle. Yes, because your company has a plan B for you. Mm -hmm. That could be they could lay you off and replace you in 30 days and never look back. Right. What is your plan B? Right. Yeah. So I created a coaching business over a decade ago because I love it, because mm -hmm. that's really a, a passion of mine. But it's also a stream of income for me. So if, no matter what happens out there because I've already lived where I didn't have a plan B. Right. And I know what it feels like yes. to be stuck in that, that I don't have a lot of options. Yes. So I think it's really important for us to have options and be able to have the confidence to say, I'm going to go for this mm -hmm. and I might fail, but I'll fail early. 
-hmm. because I'm not afraid of the rejection of failure. Or it's fail not the forward, worst thing as someone put. Exactly. Like the thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the worst thing that's no. ever happened to me. Exactly. You know, it's you look at a skater that's learning how to skate or a child that, you know, I have a two year, almost a two year old grandson, you know, when they're learning to walk, they're going to land on their backside more times than not, <laughs> you know, but do we call that failure? No. Right. It's the, the failure is when you say, I'm giving up. I'm never going to do this. Never going to get back up again. Never going to get back up again. And that's failure. You've given up. Right. Mm -hmm. But the tenacity to say, okay, a little two to the left this, uh, with that time, you know, <laughs> got, to, got to balance out a bit more. And each time you get back up, you learn how to stand still, how to be able to move forward with a steady balance. And life is about balance, isn't it? But it, it's through the, the falling on the ass that mm -hmm. really are the best lessons. Because learning not what to do and letting that frustration out actually very often gives you the epiphany of what really to do. It's so true. And I find what's even more insidious is, you know, sometimes we just get frustrated enough that, all right, I'm going to do this. I mean, I'm yeah. that way with my closets. Mm -hmm. If you come into my house, it looks beautiful. Don't open the closet. <laughs> something might fall on your head. <laughs> and so once in a while, I'll get so frustrated with that. I'll clean out the closet. But I think what I see that's even more damaging is the subtleness of dummying down our dreams mm. of abandoning belief oh, because God, yeah. we've taken these assumptions and these expectations that didn't work out and allowed them to attach themselves masquerading around as our values and yeah. our beliefs like mm. Well, it's never going to happen. I'm too old. Right. Or I won't find anybody. Or I can't get into the C-suite because I don't have that master's in whatever finance, business, and whatever it is that is necessary. And and slowly and subconsciously, you're just giving up on yourself more and more such that, okay, well, if I fail, I'll just fail small down here. It won't be as hurtful mm. as if I really put myself out there. Yeah. And, and, you know, and then you find, and this is the worst, you get to where you're feeling numb and empty because you. Apathy the, is worse than yes. any other emotion it is yeah yeah the emotions are mutually <clears throat> exclusive if you're going mm. to put down pain you're going to put down joy too your yes. love is going to go fall with it i don't want to feel these painful emotions and then all of a sudden you don't even realize you're not feeling anything and then you have this nagging feeling in the back of your head saying well why am i not happy you know i mm. kind of have this nice house now and but it's from that little bit, yes. little bit, little bit of spiraling down what we think we deserve, where we think we belong. And it's a denial of truth. It's denial of who we are. It's sad. It's sabotaging ourselves. It's eroding at our own self-worth and we become our own worst enemy. Yes. We don't need anybody else to, do, to chop us down. We're so, so very true. good at doing it ourselves. You know, <laughs> being there, done that, you know, uh, you know, I'm I'm um, uneducated because I was a very sickly child, so I missed a great deal of schooling. So I probably maybe have a grade seven. Um, it was always like, oh, let's hope she makes a good marriage. Didn't, but <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, before I even got married, I taught myself into jobs that I didn't even know what I was talking myself into, and then I'll get into the job and go, whoops, what do I do here? 
and then just found out, well, where's my strength? Thank and then so much. used my strength. Like I worked for Mobile Oil. I was the first woman rep for Mobile Oil in South Africa. Knew zero about oil. They even put me through a, a course, still knew zero about oil. Mm -hmm. I didn't need to know about the oil. The people I was, you know, serving were women, that there were people that already knew what kind of oil they liked. What they were mm -hmm. looking for was customer service, mm -hmm. right? So you make friends, you build relationships. Mm -hmm. You, you, you know, it didn't matter I didn't know. And they kind of knew. They kind of knew she doesn't know anything about oil, but she knows how to service. We're having a problem with this. We're having a problem with that. Okay, let's address that. How can we overcome that? What What do you need for the next phase of this, that, et cetera? And that they felt heard. They felt seen. Mm -hmm. What does a customer want? They want to feel heard. They want to feel that they're seen and that you actually are paying attention to their problem or to their needs. And so I realized I didn't need the degree, although it probably would have been helpful in a number of other areas. Mm -hmm. But it was all of the jobs I walked in. And sometimes I walked into a secretarial job and I couldn't even spell secretary. So I mean, that one did not work. <laughs> right. So again, is that you have no idea what you can do until you go and try and do it. Yeah. And you're I mean, you're look at you. I mean, look at who you are. You know, look, look at who you are today, because it sounds to me when I listen to you that you live your life by what's in front of you. Mm. You know what's happened and you know what's in the past, but you see opportunity. You look for opportunity. You make opportunity because that's how we survive. That's how we succeed. Yeah. We don't pull with us the doubt, but you have to know what to do with that doubt. And it sounds like you did. And I have a very similar story. In my case, I've never been qualified on paper for any role that I've had ever. Good for you. Good for ever. you. Like and just I pieces still, of paper. <laughs> yeah. And, but I knew that going in. So when I would go on a job interview or when I would position <clears throat> myself to be considered, I could demonstrate measurably, and I'm sure you did the same thing, what I'm good at measurably, you know, I could do this, I can raise this amount. And, and so if we focus more on what we can do, yes. of what we don't have. Yes, 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 yes. So what that you, you, you're not good at, you know, this is the thing, this society or businesses become lazy because they want people to wear all of the hats. Now, when you're a solopreneur, you have to wear all of the hats. Believe me, some of those hats are very wobbly on my head. They're yes. not good at all. But when you're in an organization, they love you to be a generalist. Oh, you're good. You know, you can do this, that, etc. cetera. Um, yes. Okay. You may be able to do that, but why are you not utilizing what I'm really good at? Mm -hmm. Right. And uh, really kind of, you know, she's really great at that. He's really great at that. How about we put them together and see what happens? Well, you have what you demonstrated that you did is a very transferable skill. I mean, you were smart enough to see that social savvy connection, relationship building, negotiation, consideration, compassion, listening. Those are very transferable skills and not everybody has them. But no, it's all I had. Not, it was well, all but, I had. <laughs> but let me tell you, I mean, you know, I, I work with. I work at a hospital, so we have some people from the highest end of the intellectual food chain here doing mm -hmm. And the relatability of some of these people is just not present. 
No. You know, it, there's fights in the operating room because we've got people that don't know how to relate to each other. So that skill, and, and I don't mean just here, I just mean in general, mm. but that skill of being able to relate to people and really discern what it is that they need without them even being able to articulate it themselves. It sounds to me like you're very good at that. <laughs> That's priceless for an organization, but you have to be able to talk about it in a way to communicate that when you're on an interview or you're at a networking yeah. event in the way that you just did. You you know yourself well enough. That's the point of yeah. self-discovery, to know yourself well enough to step into a space where you know that you're good at that and you show up differently when you know you have it together. When you're not sure, your eyes are rolling. Yeah, exactly. Top wobbly, and you know, you know, I, I love the um. Where have I got it? I've got it here somewhere. Um, you know the um, the first impression. You know, like um, uh, what is it? Um, fifty-five percent when you walk in through the door is how confident yes. do you look, right? Mm -hmm. And it's mm -hmm. you know, <clears throat> somebody's gone and bought an Armani suit, but they don't have the Armani personality. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, it doesn't matter even if you came in jeans and T-shirt. It's to, do you carry it? Are mm -hmm. you clean? Are you represented? Because really what people want to see is how confident, not cocky. How confident are you in yourself? 38 percent is your tone of voice mm -hmm. because that sets the stage of how they're going to listen. Seven percent becomes the content. If mm -hmm. they haven't bought the first two, they're not they don't care what the hell the content is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Because you haven't got the personality. People, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what, you know, there, there's many people I know that should never be out in public, never <laughs> be doing anything in public. You know, they're great for to be in the little I dark know. room with the computer because, or science, this or that, because they just don't like people, right? And, and yet you see these people in positions that are leaders over other people. And it mind boggles me. Well, it's a really good point because <clears throat> conversely, there are people that have great finesse and no character. Mm. People liked Hitler, Mussolini, and Stalin at first, too. Right, right, exactly. They had the charisma. They had that finesse. They could bring people in, but they didn't have good character. Right, exactly. So, you know, we end up with a lot of leaders in positions because, oh, we're going to hire that person because, well, they're just going to get it done. Look at them. You know, they they yeah. look like they have it together. And then The we ultimate up, con man. Right. And then we yep. have no retention. Everybody's quitting the company because right. <laughs> nobody's living the values. Right. But we have this great, look at this great leader here. Yes. And when you can command both, when you yeah. can combine great character with good confidence, mm -hmm. with and, and there's a difference between confidence and self-esteem. Confidence is being confident. There are a lot of confident people yeah. who deep down really dealt doubt themselves yes so that self-esteem of i feel worthy to be here i know mm. that i belong here this is my I've mission my it. purpose you know this is my drive this is my commitment you know mm -hmm. you know this is what i say to people in business um i don't care who you are um or whether you're a solopreneur or leading a big company you are representative of your business so whether i meet you in a mall or meet you in a restaurant or meet you in a boardroom, mm -hmm. I want to know the essence of who you are is the same person across the board. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Then you may wear different hats. Yes. And present yourself in a different way accordingly. But if I do not see the truth of your heart and soul, you know, for me, if I don't 
feel your heart and I don't feel your soul, I don't know your character. Right? That is what's important to me. I don't care who you are, where you come from, how old you are, what color you are, what planet you're from. It's all about that heart and soul. Is your heart in it? Because if your heart is in it, generally your integrity is in it, the drive yes. is in it, the enthusiasm is in it, and that is the invitation that because of the inspiration. It's so important. Mm -hmm. You know, Vic, Victor, I think it was Victor Franco who said, in there's a space in between stimulus and response. Mm. And and this is where I see so many people fall apart because in that space is your freedom. And mm. there's a choice in that space. And often what happens is I see I see two things very prevalent in corporate America. I see the fly off the handle leader. Yes. The, the person who who feels a little threatened and and now they need to speak just to be heard. They're talking at a meeting and they need to you know, and, and nobody's like, <laughs> no, it's like the wah, 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 and nobody's paying attention mm -hmm. because we know this person is just needs attention. So they lose all their credibility. They yeah. have no executive presence. And then there's the person who's very thoughtful, who's probably got the best idea, but feels intimidated yeah. and doesn't want to say anything. And then they're sitting there kicking themselves because the person next to them comes up with the idea yeah. 10 minutes later. And they're saying, well, I just, I thought that 20 minutes ago. Exactly. And, and, and they're not showing up with the presence that is truly and authentically them either. And the mm. dance is being able to narrow the distance between stimulus and response to your authenticity yeah. to really find go deep inside and rapidly go through the very things that you're talking about. All right. I see this. I feel threatened here. I know I have a practice. I know how to deal with this. I'm going to take a deep breath or whatever other mindful practice that they use. And I'm going to let this flow through me because I have something to say here and it's valuable. And, I, and I the, think that's practice is important. Very, very important. You know, I think that in a boardroom and um, you know, yes, yes, if you had the hierarchy, but instead of speaking to impress or to mm -hmm. get attention is rather look at some of the most successful bands in the world and how mm -hmm. their creative process came together. Each one of them knew each other's strength. Mm -hmm. Each other one knew how to connect with one another and they could just get together. I've got a few words running in my head or I've got a tune. All right, one will start playing, one will start singing, mm -hmm. one will start this and that. Next thing you know, they've clicked in and now you've got this so transformational true. song. And because it wasn't anybody's ego in the way, it was, this is something, come and join me. What? How can we build this together? And I think if the boardroom could be less about stiff, you know, don't catch his attention or this, you know, the fear factor that we see there and more of... Um, around a coffee table. Hey, I need mm -hmm. some ideas. Who's got some? I don't care how far out there they are. Throw them on the table. Let's see what we can do with them. <clears throat> now you have a creative force. Yeah. And somebody may throw one out that's ridiculous in the beginning. And then somebody throws this out and this out and this out. And then all of a sudden, you know, that one you had in the beginning, if we use it this way, this way, and this way. Smart. Right? Why are yeah. we not stepping into this and still paying attention? You know, I say, I spoke to a young woman the other day who's going into business. And I said, I, I want to give you a thought. What's the difference between a janitor and a CEO? 
well, the janitor cleans, the CEO is, you know, kind of the head. And they said, but what would be, what would happen if the janitor's not there? Well, it wouldn't be clean. And then what would be the impression on the CEO? Mm-hmm. Because you walk into a place that looks dirty or tardy or unkept, immediately your impression of the company goes down. So that janitor, the person who's never given any value, is not seen or seen and just ignored, has set the stage. Everybody has a role. And that company is only as good as everybody's participation. It's so important. I see this in healthcare every day. Mm. We work very hard to empower the front line. And the front line might be housekeeping staff. It might be the transport staff. It might be the valet. Because that's the first impression. If if they can't get out of their car into the hospital, if the food is cold Mm. and the room is not clean, no matter how good our care is, they're going to feel that it's subpar. And in order for that to happen, we have to value everybody regardless of their role or pay scale, Mm -hmm. because everybody has a role that's important. And that's that's a safe environment. That's yes. where people feel seen and heard. I'm on the inclusion council of our hospital because we're very acutely aware that there are a lot of people that don't even feel seen. Yeah. And when everybody's seen, it raises everybody up. Exactly. Everybody is part of a hole and it's a round hole. There's an, it's not a triangle. No, it's, it's a, a, it's a circle. Around, yes. Right? Yes, exactly. Right? No beginning, no to... end. The, the, the beginning and the end need each other, you know. And, and, and it, and... it takes off the the hierarchy or the, the, the ego or the outer reach, the ivory towers, as I call them. They're up mm-hmm. in the ivory tower and they have no idea what's going down to maintain their ivory tower. Mm-hmm. I, and uh, eventually, you know, the people that are at that ground level are going to go, screw this. <laughs> Just well, ignore you... it. And then you're going to start seeing everything crumble. <laughs> you, know? you mentioned you know, the military. The military yeah. is very good at that. I, I love, I've been fascinated with war movies since I was a child mm-hmm. in elementary school. And I think it's because of the brotherhood nature. Yes. It didn't ma- matter what they were fighting for. Yeah. Some of them didn't want to be there. Most of the time they didn't want to be right. there, but they cared about each other and they yes. did great things. And I learned from that. Yes. I, learned, I, I studied that. I've read books about training at West Point and, and, and that synergy that they build, no man left behind, empower the front mm. line. It draws people, it draws trust. And yeah. when you were describing the CEO who thinks he's above mm-hmm. it all, people don't innovate at meetings and no. come up with ideas if they don't feel safe. Exactly. They don't feel that's going to be welcomed. And we lose we lose great innovation and a great efficacy, great productivity, because we've got, like you said, egos in the way. Exactly. Uh, you would love my uh, uh, global veteran stories uh, genre, um, because as I said, I'm not pro-war at all, but I have such regard for these people with mm-hmm. what, uh, who, who they are when they came back. You know, they all have mm-hmm. some sort of post-traumatic stress or something they're dealing with, but mm-hmm. it's like, what can I do about it? How can I, you know, be there for my other people? And of course, it's transcended into, you know, the communities themselves. And I have such high regard for all of them and the work that they're doing. Um, not necessarily the service that they did, but the, the service that they're doing now. 
because mm -hmm. uh, they have really are um they've taken that military experience and brought it to the home front and and in much regard to people it's showing how you can show compassion and be there for each other and mm -hmm. provide skills and tools to support one another. And mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if you're a five-star general or whatever you are, we all feel shattered at times. And it's how, where is the brotherhood? Where's the sisterhood to, to hold each other together in that safe space? And I think if, mm -hmm. you know, if the, if business could look at it that way, you know, I, I did a wonderful series, Let's Get Synced, and it was in interviewing uh, mostly people from Europe because it was aligning with someone else and uh, it was about the climate change of of business and practices for climate change and mm -hmm. we're not going to change you know climate change until we change the business practices and when we put people and planet resources before profit everybody is enriched but we have for so long it's profit at the expense of people and planet and that's what's got us into trouble and I think this is why so many people uh you know are walking away from those jobs that you were talking about where they felt to feel bad all it is it's the bottom line the bottom line I don't care we screw over the bottom line and you know our hearts and our souls and our integrity cannot be a part of that without it shattering us without it challenging us and we have to put where is that value not only on ourselves but on our own integrity and what we want to put our presence to it's really an important point because i see this in uh directors and managers that i'm coaching and they get angry at their organization oh they're only focused on money they're only focused on whatever and I don't know whether or not that is entirely true because I'm not within that organization, but I do know if that's the thought that we are attaching to our leadership, mm. we are showing up bitter. We're mm. showing up feeding the beast yes. of our employees that are thinking that as well. And that's easy to do a lot, a far cry easier than saying I am being called here yeah. as a leader to a higher level than I've been in executing. Yes. I am called to try and tie the value of the work that we're doing to the personal values of these individuals, which means I have to get to know them better. Mm -hmm. I have to delegate more to them and get out of their way, not micromanage them, not rescue them either, not jump in and do the work for them, but expect more of them because they know I believe they can do it. And that requires me as the manager to re-engineer what we're doing because the way we're doing it isn't working. We can't be as productive as we need to be. So I have to think now through how can we do this better to be more productive? And if I don't do that, I'm not doing my job as the leader. Exactly. I'm becoming exactly. the disgruntled employee. We have and a lot so, of sheeple. <laughs> yes. Yes. So so we're afraid, you know, we're afraid mm. but in the thought the subliminal thought in the back of the head is saying you really can't do this. Mm. So it's better to complain whereas there's a great crack in that darkness mm. that is calling us to walk through it and in that we have to be alone and all right with ourselves being out there creating new ways to do things and then engaging our team in the process of doing them. Like, how could we do this better? And people will innovate 
But when you jump on to the, well, there's just less people and more to do. And, you know, then you quit. It's called quiet quitting. I'm sure you've seen it Mm -hmm. in the, you know, in the literature, quiet quitting hurts you. You quiet quit. And again, emotions are mutually, aren't mutually exclusive. You're going to quit at work. You're going to quit at home. You're going to quit on your exercise routine. You're going to quit on healthy eating, on your self-care. Don't quite quit on yourself. You're being called to something greater. And you do have the ability to do it when you believe in yourself. You know, you talked about kind of going through that crack of the darkness. And people are so afraid to go into the dark. But you've got to understand you are the light in that Mm -hmm. darkness. What needs to be seen What needs to be understood will be revealed through your light. You are not dark. You may have darkness around you and you've not switched yourself on. Just flip that switch and be Mm -hmm. that light in that darkness. That darkness is a big blackboard waiting to be written on, right? Mm -hmm. Waiting for those innovations and all those dreams and desires and possibilities to come out. I'm I'm an extreme possibility. You know, like when I see something, I go way out there. Because mm-hmm. I've got to know how the end user is going to feel. Yeah. For me, it's how are they going to feel with whatever service, business, product, or anything else? How are they going to feel? I want to hear in my head the conversation they're going to have and how happy they are. And so that's what I'm aiming for. Smart. And we've got to allow ourselves. You know, I, I often refer where we are each individual instruments learning how to play and sorry somebody's just come up on my computer saying something and oh oh, my mic um can you hear me okay 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 you can go away now (laughs) it's not going away (laughs) okay now it's gone um We're each individual instruments learning how to play our instrument and learning how to play it well. And yes, we could be soloists and we can really do very well as soloists. But when we decide to come together as an orchestra, each one of us in our own beautiful um, capabilities, and we have that right conductor that knows how to draw us together and we're Mm -hmm. willing to play harmoniously together. Mm -hmm. Look at what we can transcend, right? You know, it's there are times that you're called upon to stand alone and be what you are. But we're called along mostly to bring the essence of who you are to the collective so that it can expand out even further. It's so important for people to remember what you just said, that we are not solo individuals by nature. Mm-hmm. We're born to be in a tribe. We're yeah. born to be collectively together because that's where we're safer and we thrive. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when we isolate ourselves because of whatever thought or assumption or expectation that we've created in our head that we've assumed as a belief and now are living that thought, that doesn't serve us. And yeah. I... I was thinking when you were talking, I think it was Maya Angelou who said, people will forget what you say and what mm. you do, but they will never forget the way you make them feel. Exactly. And that's why you were so good at what you do, because instinct- instinctively, you know that, and you're not worried about, I see people going on interviews so worried about, it's like a performance. Yes. And they lose then the curiosity 
they have in the person that's interviewing them. Yes. I mean, it's not so much about how you're going to answer the question, but what questions do you have? Like, yes, it's, well, it's conversational, right? right? Yeah. It's conversational. We, it's, you know, I would say to people, you're eavesdropping, come and join us. You know, yeah. it's, it's a, it's, it's the sharing of experiences and the sharing of experiences expands you know, into, I haven't thought of it that way. Oh, I might try that. Oh, that's a different point of view, you know, and that's the whole thing about hey, what I'm doing is to show that there are other ways, to show that there's different practices, so to show the people that can help you on your way if you are at that transition and that's, you know, at that, at that crossroads in the roads and you're not, not sure where to go or how. You want to go forward, but you don't know how. Right. That's the point. First and foremost, I think one of the things we've lost as human beings, <clears throat> and I think is so essential to to actually living life, is wonderment. Well, I love wonder. I love that yes. word. It, you know, if we've lost the wonderment, if we've lost the inquiry, if we've lost the exploration, the sense of adventure, and that doesn't mean you all have to put on a backpack and go into the jungle. It's just the, you know, it's just the wonderment of life, the exploration of life. Okay, you've had, a, you know, I've said beforehand, I've just had a, a really bad week of a peculiar virus flu that knocked me for six. And I thought, okay, all right, I'm just going to surrender to this. This is what the body needed, right? Uh, I'm not going to fight it, not why me or this or that. Yeah, it interfered with a lot of things that I had to do. But you sometimes you just have to surrender and let mm -hmm. be what will be. And then you, even during that, a wonderful thing happened, right? So a wonderful opportunity happened. And it's like, let go sometimes. Let go of your expectations or the mm -hmm. dictation of how you want life to be. And be in tune with who you are, why you are, and what you're here to do. And stand tall in who you are. I love your word surrender. I just love that word. What if we, you know, what 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 if we just surrendered to I don't need to control this. Yeah. I can't control this. What what if we just surrendered to I don't have to do anything? Mm -hmm. What if I just surrendered to this is maybe going to turn out okay? Yeah. You know, it's it's the when we try uh, the, the happiness is the shortest distance between what you want and what you have. Yeah. How can I get a little bit closer to what I have being what I want? Mm. What do I have right now that I'm overlooking mm -hmm. because I'm externalizing all of this fear, all of this control I need to have. What am I missing mm -hmm. when I don't surrender to all of these things that I think I need to have in place? You know, it, there's a peripheral right vision. You're so yeah. focused on one thing that all the things that are around you, I actually have a workshop on that, a program that yeah. I put people through. And when they come out the other end and go, oh, my God, I didn't realize I was so switched off that I wasn't paying attention. Right. And it, it's a very simple little journey. And what it reveals to people always shocks them because we are so focused. I need to be there. I want to be there. I'm only going to be happy when I'm there. That all the things that you actually need and want are all around you. They've already been given to you or shown you the way forward. But you're so busy going there that you're missing the whole point. Well, that's because our culture mm. survives on this. I mean, our culture 
continually reminds you of what you don't have so that you will purchase. Yes. Right? Yes. So you get, have this little bit nicer house, mm-hmm. this little bit nicer car, this little bit nicer job, this little bit better salary, this little bit better handbag, jewelry. And then social media comes along mm-hmm. and continues to put in front of your face what perfection looks like yes. and remind you of what more you have to do to get there. <laughs> yes. It's horrible. You know, anybody who's watched, you know, the documentary on social media knows that that was put on by the people that created all of those mm-hmm. platforms. And now all of them are saying, I don't allow my own children to have a phone that can in- access Instagram or Facebook. Right. right. These are the people that created it. Yeah. So, you know, they are co- you have to be self-aware, which is exactly what you promote all the time, mm-hmm. is to notice what's going on so that you can observe what the culture is doing and make a conscious choice to, I see, I see what's going on here. I'm surrendering. I'm whatever your mantra is, whatever your purpose yeah. and intention is to be focused on what it is that you intend instead of getting sucked into what everything around you is conditioning you for. And they're really good at it. So you have to be intentional. You know, even the triangle in the orchestra may not play every time, but it has a significant role. So, you know, you might be that triangle. That is your tune. And maybe every round isn't, you know, for you, but there is that round where that triangle it needs to be heard and you've got to go all right ding i'm here yeah. right and it's it's um having yeah. that confidence to to say even if you have very often you know in a boardroom especially you have the bully that always pushes themselves forward and shuts everything down and you know is just over speaking everybody and you know there's ways of even combating them and sometimes it's going directly to them. And, you know, I think, blah, 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 blah. what do you personally think? And address them on it and put the spotlight back on them where they want it, but make them come up with an idea on that subject, you know, because. That's tactically uh, on point, really yeah. brilliant. That's exactly what you should do because that person is the most unhappy person in the room. That's exactly. why happy people don't hurt one another. Right. That's why they're doing that. And when you can get their ego back in check by letting them know that you have their back, that you're interested in them, that you're not threatened or you're not going to take their power away from them when they know that they're safe around you. They leave you alone. And so many people work so hard to get those people to like them. That's not your goal. Your goal is to get off their radar screen. Exactly. Exactly. That's the Um, win. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you look, let's, let's face it. We we see in TV shows, and I'm I'm from the 70s. I'm 68, so 70s was my big business culture, and I was in South Africa. Incredibly misogynistic, yeah, and incredibly. I've been there, but it's a beautiful place, though. Beautiful, beautiful place, but try working there as a woman, and uh, and it, you know sexism and everything else that was going in there, and uh, it just it just drove me crazy. One of the reasons why I actually left the country, um, in the end, because I just couldn't take it, and that and the apartheid, because I couldn't take yes. it either. <clears throat> but it's um, you know, going back to how I see people, you would have the people strut, 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 and then suddenly they catch my eye and go, "You see me, don't you?" Mm-hmm. And all I had to do is look at them and smile and go, "Yes." But then I became the enemy, mm-hmm. right? Because the ego needed to be protected 
at all costs. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. So, you know, and I was up against like 99% misogyny, you know. Yeah. So at that time, it was very, very hard. We still see it in some corporations, in some workplaces. Where was it? I saw on the news. Oh, yeah. Here in British Columbia, um, a woman, an Aboriginal woman who works in um, one of our parties here has resigned due to uh, the misogyny and the uh, just the inability to talk about the subject without the degrading and she said I've had enough and it's put the entire not just her party the all you know the all of the parties on form where where they would put people down and you know be degrading towards them oh, uh, to get a laugh to get a point across is mm -hmm. like is no longer acceptable it never was acceptable it's no longer tolerated yeah well, and, and it happens happens everywhere. You know, it does. If you look, the survey that just came out, I think, from McKinsey, where the number one reason women are leaving the workforce is not because they're not paid well. It's because they're not valued. Right. Now, pay follows, promotion follows. Yes. Those, those were the two that followed, but not valued. And not I mean, respected. I mean, it's still yeah. that's, you know, we've also, we've you know, we've got to understand when looking at the age group of our young men, it's um, how were they brought up? Were they mm -hmm. brought up to revere a woman? Now, are your children girls or boys or mixed? I have three girls and one boy, and my husband has two girls. So we have five <laughs> girls and one boy. And the boy's the baby. You know, my, my boy was my baby. Right. Um, he's extremely savvy, and he is very respectful of yes. women. Because I think the next or, uh, generation coming up, saw their mothers working. My generation did not see their mothers working, mm -hmm. right? So mother was at home and mm -hmm. you came home for lunch in the summer and, you know, the mother wasn't working. But I think the next generation is very attuned to respecting women because they saw what their how their moms struggled really yes. hard in at work. And so I'm, I'm hopeful for that. Um, there's... Well, well, that that I think yeah. is, you know, you see this so many times. I'm, you know, seeing people, it's like, you know, a single mum bought me up, or, you know, it, it was my mum, and you know, I wouldn't be who I am today without my mum. But mm -hmm. it's also the way then they treat other women, because mm -hmm. they realise they're treating other women like they would their mum. Mm -hmm. And so, if you see mistreating of mums, uh, red flag, run. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, you know the. The boys' club, the locker room talk, the um, you know, the Friday night cocaine party, and the girls, mm -hmm. you know, all of that may look very flashy on TV, but the reality of it, and, and again, I've interviewed the people that were there, that were in that mm -hmm. lifestyle, and they said the cost of that lifestyle when it came crashing down was way more than they ever thought they had to pay. Yeah. Uh, because it generally ended either with jail or prison or um or realizing they were they their their addiction to drugs came to their addiction to the power in the workforce yeah yeah i i'm i'm very concerned about what i see mm. you know it, it's really hard for leaders and managers right now because the workforce is not the same people do not want to work on site full-time they right. don't they want a hybrid work 
They want to work from home three days and they want to choose what those days are. And it's really hard. I, I And I see that that can be productive because mm-hmm. I've done that in my office with my team. But I think what's hard is as the leader, you're now charged with having to build a culture when you don't really have everybody in the room all the time. And some of that culture builds in the kitchen and you're not in yeah. the kitchen right. of your office anymore right? or in the cafeteria mm. or in a boardroom or wherever. So managers are really called on now to figure out how to appease their staff, keep them engaged because people will quit right away. If they don't like what's going on, there's no, you know, I don't want to say there's no loyalty, but there's no incentive for them to stay because there isn't pension. There isn't a payoff for you staying longer as there was maybe 30, 40 years ago. So people would stay in a company for 20 years. That doesn't happen today. People Mm -hmm. will just leave. And so you have to adapt to get those people. I know the consulting companies, people that are young in the consulting companies, some of them have three and four coaches because they don't want to lose those people. They've invested so much in training them, uh, but they know they can leave and go to another firm that will hire them. So they get, six months paid maternity leave and whatever else, you know, it's become very competitive to keep staff. It's, it's a real shift in where the the power is now in hiring. Yes. And of course now what the the trend is, you know, four day a week, Um, you know, and I look at it this way. Okay. Depending what kind of industry you're in, but you could do a four day a week for certain people and then three days for another. And that means you're working seven days a week. So, you know, we do have to adapt. Um, you know, COVID was that catalyst to so many pivoted, mm-hmm. you know, uh, different practices and some of them good, some of them not, but they're here to stay, many of them. And we do, the hybrid is there. And it, it just means that there is a different form of management and it, and and innovative ways of getting anyone together. So, you know, you could have Wednesday night at seven o'clock or eight <laughs> o'clock when the kids are to bed, everybody on Zoom with a glass of wine. Yes. Right. And having a chat. There's also something else I came up with. Um, I have no idea who to pitch it to, but I thought it was a good idea in companies for them to have their own podcast network uh, where you have a main interviewer speaking to everybody working in the company. What do you want to share? You know, oh, uh, you know, share something about their family or just sharing a recipe or, or even talking about you know, an achievement they've had within the company. But in that way, it's other people can get to know other people through listening to them and then see them differently because it's a way of introducing them. It's a way of building that that family unit type of thing. Um, so I thought that might be a good idea as well. But we have to, we have to realize there is no box, no. right? And, you know, don't box yourself in. Don't sell yourself short. Now, you might be intimidated, and we're not saying go into a new job and come out firing out of the cannon. You know, it's always good to assess first who are the Mm -hmm. players, who is what, who is that, and when you can bring your strength to the table, Mm -hmm. right? But don't Mm -hmm. sit back and let everybody else's strength be out there and they never show yours. (laughs) Agreed. Totally agree. So you work with small companies, big companies. Who do you work with? Most of my clients come to me individually. I mm-hmm. do do work for a number of corporations who have people that they want to develop. Mm-hmm. So I do that as well. Um, that's about a third of my practice. The rest are individuals who are either unhappy in their 
role looking for another role or they just want to be more respected where they are most of the time my clients end up not moving uh, we are able to position them a little stronger within the organization that they're in and they're also looking to sleep better get back to mm. their healthy routines the well-being is very important Hellishly. for my clients it, work shouldn't come at a cost no life no uh, so it's... a balance game going back to balance mm -hmm. right you've, you've got to have yeah. family and friends you've got to have time for self and you have you know time for your work and you know this is where that five o'clock shutoff came in right I'm not taking my work home with me and I think no. that's actually quite healthy um, uh, be because yeah. you know now you've got either friends or family at home or even yourself at home you know this is time for you and I think yeah. that uh, it's not boxing it's compartmentalizing and sometimes we need to do that for our own sanity. I think it was Abraham Lincoln who said, if you give me six hours to cut down the tree, I'll spend four polishing the axe. If you go into work, knowing that you need to get out of there by four o'clock or five o'clock, you're going to work differently than if you went in there thinking that I'm going to stay till seven. You mm -hmm. just become more productive. Yeah. But you have to commit to that with intention on the front end. Yes. You know, I've, I've worked with someone who's quite a genius. And, you know, it's it's some it's the way kind of I work, which I didn't realize that it's not the amount of hours that you're putting in. It's true. the productivity in the hours. That's exactly right. <clears throat> so true. And, Absolutely. you know, that um, knowing your own worth. Now, you know, you may have a piece of paper that says you're this, that, et cetera. That's fine. But again, who are you? Because in any job, your personality or lack of, is going to be what people will see. They're not going to see you're brilliant at accountancy, you're brilliant at marketing, you're brilliant at that. You're not wearing this little neon sign. You are a person that the only way they're going to get to know you is if you show you. Then they'll get to know what you do. Mm -hmm. But they've got to buy you first. They've got to connect with you first. How connectable are you? Well, that's so important because I think, honestly, a lot of people don't know enough about themselves. Yeah, exactly. They, they, they can't describe their signature strengths or their value proposition or their personal mission. They, they don't have enough form around the function there. They're, they're not self-aware enough. And then if you're not self-aware, you can't self-regulate what's right. going on in your head. And the trifecta is here is then when you have self-awareness and you have self-regulation, you have self-acceptance. Yes. And that's where true belonging, self-esteem sets in because you're not just put on, you are authentic. And there's a relief in that. Yes. There's surrender in that. As Popeye says, I am what I am. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. it's... We can always improve on ourselves, always. There's always that, you know, like, um, what else can I do? And it's not about pushing yourself forward. It's not about, you know, I've got to do this. I've got to do that. It is, it's just about, okay, if I can do this, like I started this nearly 11 years ago. I was on another network and it was live. I didn't even know what a podcast was when I was asked to join. Right. And live, many things go wrong, let me tell you. And then mm -hmm. I started my own network. I didn't know what I was doing. 
Not at all. Somebody helped me initially set it up. Somebody was doing the audio editing for me for a while. And then it was, oh, you're on your own. And then somebody said, do video. I'm on my own. And then somebody said, do this. And I'm on my own. And it's like, I didn't know I could do all these things. And it's only when the necessity came up that mm -hmm. I had to do them, that you learn to do them. And you go, oh, gosh, I didn't know I could do that. Mm -hmm. So don't sell yourself short, right? We don't know so how capable important. we are until we're called upon. So important. I, I that you're talking about risk and research will say that the only way we build confidence is to take risks. Mm. It's the only way you have to go through it. You just have to do it. And when you do, that's when your confidence grows because then you will fail and you will see that you're still alive. Nothing happened. Fire breathing dragon didn't burn you down. <laughs> you're going to survive this. Um, it ended up you riding the dragon. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Right. And, you know, success isn't just becoming the top of the game of the CEO and this and that. Mm -hmm. Success is when you have that freedom to live your life and enjoy your life. You know, that freedom is success, right? Satisfaction. Yeah. I'm not a fan of the word thrive because I mm. think it insinuates that we need to push a little harder, be a little bigger. Satisfied is okay. And our culture wants to tell you that, oh, don't just sit back and be satisfied. No, I think satisfaction is a really good feeling. Yes. When you feel at the end of the day, that was a good day. Thank you. When you wake up in the morning and you've got something to go to, thank you, right? Yeah. Gratitude. Put some gratitude in your life. That's satisfaction. Now, you've got a, a free ebook, 31 Ways uh, for Leaders to Be More Valued and Advanced in High Stakes Corporate World. And people can download that link from your site, Mary Lee Gannon, G A N N O N dot com. And yeah, uh, right, with a G, Mary G Lee Gannon. Yeah, with a G. Uh, with 31 practices for leaders, so they can download it from there. Um, but if somebody is very interested in like, I need help, Mary Lee, help me, um, where do they go look? They can, you can email me directly at Mary Lee at MaryLeeGannon.com or just go to my website. There's a little consultation click at the top on the menu. Click that and give me your email address and I'll reach out to you. We'll set up a time to talk. I do it yes. every day. Wonderful. Of course, you're on LinkedIn under your name. You're on Facebook under your name. You're on Instagram under your name. Uh, yep. So Mary Lee Gannon, G-A-N-N-O-N. -N -N, and uh, people can find you all there. And, you know, it just today is we're, we're living still in this transitional and almost volatile business world. We're still, you know, pivoting and we're all kind of a, a little topsy-turvy and wobbling and and uh, many young people are going I watched my parents and they just got burnt out and they were never yeah. respected and I don't want that I want something where you know I feel like really contribute but at the same time I can still have a life and uh, people don't really understand it's not just a question of what you are contributing it's not just the information that you're contributing, the skill that you're contributing, you've got to remember you're contributing yourself. Mm. So true. Your soul is who you are yeah. and you bring your soul to everything that you do. Yes. And the end product of what you do involves and is better when you bring your whole self to it. If you're just task specific, 
that's more formulaic. But when yeah. you bring the soul of yourself to it, that changes things. That changes the world. Mm. Everybody knows your heart is in it. Mm-hmm. right? And we all need, we're all hungry for some more heart and soul right mm. now. We're all hungry for that higher consciousness where we feel valued. We feel we're contributing. We don't just feel like a number, right? So important. And that's what happens often mm. in corporate America. Yeah. If you're a leader in corporate America, make your people feel real. Make yes. them feel that you care about them. You don't have to be paternal about it. Mm-hmm. You just have to be human. This is your community. This is your tribe. You're leading that tribe. You know, I always mm-hmm. say that the... The village is only as strong as everybody's participation, right? Amen. So, you know, everybody participate on whatever level you are meant to participate on and always remember to have gratitude for each other and be supportive. People have bad days. People have stuff going on. Don't persecute them because they can't achieve that day. Be supportive. Be around them. The workspace takes so many hours of everybody's day. And if they've got something going on at home and that's stressed on them, be there for them, be that support. Mm -hmm. And not only will it help them in the workforce, it'll help them when they go home. So let's just be there for each other. That's right. right? That's right. Because we're all one. We're all all united. Yeah. And we're, we're all particles of that sun. And we've got to understand you know, the cellular in our body is in the trillions. But one cell starts breaking down, it breaks down another and another and another. So mm-hmm. we need to keep all of ourselves beautifully supportive and look upon each and every one of us as a cell in this whole body structure in the world. So important. Mm-hmm. Great stuff, Sarah. Very, very nice. <laughs> Together we're in it. It doesn't matter where we are, right? Um, exactly it's right. That, Stand tall in who you are, why you are, but have have your own compass, have your own um, reason for doing it. <clears throat> is it just a paycheck until you find a career? Or is it a career that you really want to participate in, which means then all of you when you're there, all of you when you're there, right? And And don't be afraid to speak out. Even if someone shuts you down, Somebody else heard you. Don't keep quiet and don't get argumentative. <laughs> Bring all of yourself to what you're doing. Yes. Even if it's in your meanwhile time while you're just learning something new or trying or volunteering somewhere. Bring all of yourself to it. Because if not, you deny yourself. Yeah. You deny and if yourself. You, and if in you. In addition to others. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. He's selling everybody short. And if you are that big CEO or that career person that's given yourself so much to your life, um, start investing your time and your expertise in something you can do after. And you'll find that the, the ignition of other people's lives through your skills, through your wisdom, will pay you far more heart dividends than ever you paid by the wallet. So definitely. Agreed. Thank you so much for being here, Mary Lee. 
Oh, it's been my pleasure. What a delight. What a conversation. Enjoyed every minute of it. <laughs> Great. Good. I hope everybody else did that's listening. Don't forget to share. Don't forget to have a podcast party where you all listen and then discuss it afterwards. What's happening in your own workplace? You know, what did we touch on today that you felt was missing? Do you need to reach out to Mary Lee because you are stuck there? You are having a problem in your company or should you be there? Or should you go somewhere else? Or, you know, just that connection with yourself and because, you know, if you leave a job and go to another job with the same problem within yourself, you're only going to create that problem in the next job. So get clear with who you are, why you are, what you're here to do. And then you have that confidence to go forward and doing everything that you do in every aspect of your life. So until next time, folks, bye for now. We hope that you enjoyed the show. Find all of our shows on selfdiscoverymedia.com under podcasts or selfdiscoverymedia slash shows. And for all our current shows, go to What's New. We are supported by you, the audience. You will see a nice big shiny blue button for one-time donations or follow us on Patreon and you will be able to support us there. We enjoy bringing you such wisdom. And the next show will be up in just a moment. <laughs>